Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? This is strange. You guys are probably wondering what the heck I'm doing, huh? Nine o'clock in the morning, California time. Well, we have a great guest today. Also, uh, just a word of warning. <clears throat> I will be answering questions as best I can in the chat room, should anybody want to chat. Um, last night, while I was doing some video editing, my contact lens decided to do, do something weird. So I have to let my eye rest for a couple of days here. So I get to be back with my glasses. You know how We all know how that went the last time. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also your, uh, yeah, I'm also the owner. It's already starting out so well this morning. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get to you, or if you think you might have a paranormal need. But it might take a while because California is a huge state. So we also have mediums on staff who can call you maybe to calm down whatever's going on or talk with you about whatever's going on. So that gives us, that gives us the extra lot of time to come out and help you out. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm really excited about today's show. Um, NDEs. Wow. You know, um, I think I had one a while back, you know, years and years ago. It wasn't quite what everybody else has, you know, as far as an NDE goes, because it was more of a feeling than, than seeing anything. You know, my father had an NDE. Uh, his was unique, you know, maybe we'll talk about that during the show. But uh, the gentleman I have on uh, had a really unique need himself, and so we're going to be talking about that. If you are watching from Facebook and you like what you see today and you haven't done so already, please be sure to hit that follow button. Uh, we're always here trying to build stuff up. If you're watching from YouTube and same story and you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe. There's that little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner. I think it's still there and uh, click on that. The subscribe button will pop up. We've got more than 540 videos over there of shows and they're all different topics. I'm a journalist and I like to change it up. You know, I, I love paranormal stuff, but I also love talking. You know, I also not love, you know what I mean? I like to bring messages out to people to help people. That's why I got into journalism. If I could find a way to help people. So uh, there, check it out. You know, you'll probably find something that you like. Now, for the people that have signed up, signed your life away, please be sure uh, to hit that like button and uh, the hearts and all that. Show me some love today because the more you do that, the higher I am in the algorithms on YouTube and Facebook and all the other places that this airs. And that'll keep move, moving us up and get, getting us more subscribers and all that good stuff and getting you know, get more attention. All right. Okay. Well, I want to make one announcement about the Patreon. I know I keep like, like, like nagging you guys about that, but I'm about to release the first private video over there. Uh, the video, the video will not air until the first week of April or yeah, it won't, won't air until next week. So the people that are on the Patreon will get to see it starting tomorrow. Okay. You'll see it a week ahead of time. So that's kind of cool, right? To preview. All you have to do is go over and sign up at the California Haunts Patreon. It's five fifty a month and we're offering, uh, early preview, you know, early showings of, of uh, pre-recorded videos, and we're also offering 
um, after show stuff where it might not be on the same day after the show, but if we have a guest on that's that, that you guys are really interested in talking more with, that's a special thing where we can go over there and do that. Okay. All right. That being said, let's get into this show. My guest tonight is Jacob Coop today is Jacob Cooper. And, uh, he's got an interesting story to tell. So I'm just going to let him tell it. You guys can get to learn, you guys can learn to get to know him and all that good stuff. So here we go. Now I'm out of breath. Okay. Where's the button? Who's got the, there we go. <laughs> good morning. Uh oh, I don't have any audio. Hang on. Something's up. Yeah, we've already had something go wrong. Give me a second. Am, are you able to hear me now? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, good. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Good after, good morning to you, and good afternoon to me. Where uh, I'm on the East Coast here in New York, so. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I'm not used to this. I do shows at like six thirty at night, then I work till like ten or eleven. It's okay though. It's good to get up early sometimes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Thank you for bringing forward consciousness and rolling up your sleeve to you know all angles of it. And to me, there's just different transformative experiences, but they're all one and the same. That you know they parlay you know, evidence that there's more than this reality as we know it, you know. Right, right. So, so tell me about you, sir. Yeah, you know, I am the author of The Wisdom Jacob's Ladder, my book that came out, you know, right within the new year, as well as Life After Breath, my first book. Um, you know, but I work professionally in the mental health field, you know, as an LCSW. You know, I work in a psychiatric, you know, hospital, as well as within private practice work. And, you know, I provide, you know, a lot of different, you know, healing services to clients within my private practice, ranging from, you know, psychotherapy to hypnotherapy to Reiki to mindfulness. So I do a lot of individual as well as, you know, group works and different workshops that I facilitate on a national, international basis. But I think we're together really to hear a lot about you know, my transformative NDE that, you know, happened to me at a young age, which really influences the work that I do, you know, in my in my daily life so much. But um, yeah, I mean, my focus is really the ground up, like, how could we help people, you know, from the mental, emotional, and spiritual angles of life? You know, it's interesting, just in the last few years, how many, you know, psychologists and, you know, and, and professionals have started to look at that 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 part of life, mm-hmm. you know. It it used to be, you know, you like like when my mother was was going through dementia, and I go to the hospital, you know, with her. They'd say, "Well, is she hallucinating?" Yeah. And I'd say, "Well, it depends how you look at hallucination. I'm a ghost hunter." You know, right. to, me, to me, it was just the dead relatives coming to see her. I mean, that, that that that's how I saw it. But at that time, you know, it, it was very touch and go with doctors because right away the eyebrows would go up, and you know. And, out comes the medications and all this is going on and you know so it's come a long way it's come a long way and it's great to have people it's great to have guys you know doctors like you who are able to work that way with their with their clients because it's not always all cut and dry it's you know there, there is paranormal stuff that comes up you know with this sure and you know it's unfortunate what you experienced in prior generations did you know within you know, going, let's say, to inpatient places or to different, you know, therapists and just being totally dismissed as what you're having is something that may have been psychic, 
but that you know is viewed as psychotic you know mm-hmm. and it's not always the case um you know and i think it's important to differentiate but you just wonder you know throughout history you know how many world-class mediums have we hid from society back mm-hmm. in the day you know from over medicating them or just dismissing their gifts and never allowing them to own what they had as something beautiful you know, and a gift, not as a burden or a curse or a pathology. Uh, so now I I think it's hard to say what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, in terms of transformation, because as a society, we're transforming. And so as therapists, we always have to be tuned into where society is. But I also think both medical and mental health are able to really have a lot more backing and support for this as a thing. And um, and we look at the thing that I'm talking about today, near-death experiences, you know, that was coined by my friend, uh, Dr. Emma Moody, who has both a psychology, both both a doctorate in philosophy as well as psychiatry. He's an MD in psychiatry, you know. So for him, with his academic background, to give credibility for these things as 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 real and tangible, you know, help change the world um, in consciousness. And so I'm forever grateful for, you know pioneers who are daring within their field to go beyond the bounds and to recognize you know, some things that aren't taught in this classroom, dismissed in the classroom as very real and evidential. It's huge. It's really huge. And like, like I said, over the last few years is when it's really started to take off to where, you know, the professionals now are, are, are looking at that faction. How old were you when you had your event? I was just the age of three years old, uh, wow. September of 1993. And that blows my mind because I, like, it just seems like just yesterday. And when I would first speak about my NDE, you know, in other interviews, I would just throw out a number. I know I was very young, so I'd say, all right, I'm four, I'm five. But over the last couple of years, I, for the first time, just hard, started having dialogue with my parents about this. I kept this very private to myself uh, for various different reasons that maybe we could get into. Sure. Uh, but they told me, no, this was September of 1993, you were just three. And I'm my own biggest skeptic. I don't care how big of a troll you are on the internet. I'm my own biggest skeptic. And that blew my mind. I was just like, wow, I I, I can't believe that, you know, I was that young. Um, and it just felt like just yesterday. And it just amazes me looking back on it. How, you know, at three years old, you wouldn't think that a child would be able to recognize that it wasn't, you know what I mean? Because the imagination and all that. Of course. How were you able to, I mean, recognize it was it something that happened later that, that that that's when you realized that this happened or did you recognize that something was different at that age i recognized that something was profoundly different at that age in fact um recently my father told me you know we don't really talk so much about my nde but when we do it's profound mm-hmm. he said after my nde and i'm kind of paraphrasing when i was rushed by the ambulance to the hospital you know, I said, Dad, remember that time when I was rushed to the ambulance, the hospital, something happened. It's not going to make sense to you right now, but one day it will. And he's understanding it now more and more. So what I will say to you is, you know, I I had it when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And so to utilize that filter of a very young child when I came back from it was nearly impossible. I think it's very difficult for an adult to even describe NDEs in their words. So the filter that I was using was a three-year-old brain, a three-year-old child. That was hard. But the person who experienced this, the one, the observer, 
who experienced this was never my three-year-old self. That was my eternal soul. Uh, so I think in a way, we sometimes have a synonymous identity with our current chronological age mm -hmm. and our soul age. And mm -hmm. so I think we have to understand in a way that we're experiencing ourselves in these different ages and cultures and uh, times within this life, but those are just experiences. They're not the full totality of who we are. And so the NDE reminded me that yes, and this life on this reality age in linear time is very real, mm -hmm. but on the overall relative, you know, it's just a facade. You know, there is no time, there is no real age. You know, we are timeless, you know, ageless beings. So it's hard for people to conceptualize this with, mm -hmm. you know, the, the left brain. But I think people, when they hear me talk, a part of them just remembers that, oh, yeah, I'm an eternal soul. I'm an infinite soul in a finite body. And we say that all the time, like I'm an infinite spiritual being in a physical reality. Well, so that means we're not these things. We're not, you know, our ages, our bodies, or this or that. We are experiencing all that at this life. So um, what is it? I mean, is there any difference as far as what went on in, in your NDE as opposed to what adults go through? <laughs> no, you know, it really, it meant like I, I read Life After Life by Dr. Raymond Moody, who's a friend of mine. And it, it met like a lot of the classic criteria of an NDE. Not not to preface, not all the NDEs, you know, have euphoric experiences. Some could be quite distressive. Um, you know, so mine was, when I crossed over, there wasn't any distress, you know. But before that, there was certainly a great deal of distress and intensified trauma, which is why I think I'm able to remember it so clearly to this day, you know, because trauma is a funny thing where either you'll have full recall of it or you have, you know, intense dissociation to protect yourself. And I was quite the opposite. You know, when I suffocated due to my NDE, you know, I'm able to have full recollection. But that's one of the reasons I, I suspect. Um, but it really had a lot of the classic works at play. Now, the complexion was is that I had to come back with it and go and live life as a three-year-old. But it, I don't necessarily think it's all that different depending on your prior baseline. I think, you know, if you're a total atheist and you have an NDE, then that changed the trajectory of your life. But if you've had some degree of spiritual belief and you weren't fully religious and stuff like that, this would maybe accelerate and enhance what you already were, you know, living with in your in your baseline. So. I find it interesting, though. Um, I know I when, when I initially contacted you, the, the first major NDE I've seen is my father and what happened to him at, at the hospital when he was on, in, you know, when he went on code red over at Kaiser. And mm. he described seeing his dog that he had had in World War II that, you know, he brought that, that he, he ended up getting shipped home. Mm. And this dog came to the, the end of his bed. And my dad said he got up out of bed and he was petting the dog and playing with the dog. And then in his head, he thought he heard the dog say it, but he wasn't positive. And he thought he heard the dog say, it's not your time, you have to go back. Mm. And then the dog turned around, you know, and left him. And then mm. he woke up back in the hospital bed. Hmm. So I think the NDEs can be <clears throat> maybe different for everybody, depending on what, you know, what your background is, what your beliefs are and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, here's what I'll say. Um, 
NDEs are fascinating in a sense that a lot of it has nothing to do with what we experienced in this life. You know, for instance, there are people who are visually impaired, who have never seen in their lives and their NDEs, they're able to have full vision. Mm-hmm. Or people who are auditorily impaired and never have heard, um, and they're able to hear. Or, or people who come from different religious backgrounds, atheists, you know, you know, people of the Muslim faith, uh, right. people who are Jewish, Christian, whatever it may be, and they have totally different spiritual encounters on the other side that had nothing to do with their prior um, spiritual religious worldviews. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there's congruency, but more times than not, there's something else that we didn't believe in or tap into prior to that. And that gives a lot more validity to me that this isn't just something based on the life that you're living. This is something beyond this reality. Um, but you make a great point that within NDEs, you know, there's there's two potentials. It's either like your father that was told, hey, it's not your time. You have more to do. You know, it's not yet your exit time. You know, or you're told, hey, you're given an option. You could continue to live your life or you could cross over. Uh, for me, I was given full autonomy, you know, which what I want to do. And that was the uh, most difficult question I've ever been faced with in my life, you know, because uh, I was fully on the other side and it was beyond descriptive words. And, you know, I was uncertain you know, what to do, but obviously I chose to stay. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. I might, I might be here, but maybe I would come through a medium on your show or something like that. You know, I would still be around. Yeah. I had an experience myself. I don't know if it was an NDE or what, or I was going into an NDE. You know what I mean? I was in this, this this horrible accident on a snowy freeway. The car turned to go over the cliff. And I remember seeing my mind's eye, that the car, I could see it in my mind's eye. I'm looking through the windshield, and I could see the ground coming up to greet me. Wow. But at that wow. point, the first thing I thought was, it's going to be a hell of a view. At that point, I got so calm. Hmm. Like it was a nothing. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over the cliff today. Wow. And that was it. And then when I didn't, it was like I came back to being you know, the reality of what happened. So I don't know if I can call that an NDE, but something came into my, you know, into my mind and calmed me down mm. to the point that I, I really didn't care if I went over. I was just like, okay, that's it. Wow. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we compare and contrast NDEs where yeah. we'll look at someone's NDE and say, all right, that's the all-star NDE. That one is better than mine or that one, that's that's the NDE of the century. Right. And I think they're all unique of their own. And, and it's not so much with what we think because uh, I thought my experience was pretty cool, but I, it wasn't until I actually told it to other people, you know, that I recognized the purpose of it and the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think our experiences are meant to be held to ourselves. They're meant also for other people. And the more that we're able to really, un, you know, unrelinquish ourselves and our stories, the more that we're in unison with our purpose in this life and the more impact we could have. Absolutely. Can you share your NDE with us? Of course. Uh, You know, September of 1993, like we said earlier in the segment, I was just the age of three years old. And I went to a playground and I climbed, you know, up until a ladder going onto a slide. 
at the top of the ladder going up to the slide, I just began to suffocate due to pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. Mm -hmm. And I just went into this period of suffocation, nothing to hold on to, no breath, everything taken from me. It was to this day, the most traumatic, scariest moment of my life. I don't want to sugarcoat that moment. Right. Uh, but you know, then moments later, I was able to really see and sense my physical body and just saw that it was just shutting down like a power breaker in a home, like one unit at a time. And the last part of my body and my brain that I was aware of was my own, you know, physical brain. And I just was able to feel my brain, know my brain, sense it. And due to the deprivation of oxygen, it just felt like a large crack within my brain, the like the largest sound. And literally, as the saying goes, my brain cracked open and that's when God came in. And this happened, to, that euphemism happened to me on a literal basis where once my brain was totally deprived of oxygen and I felt this crack in half was when, you know, I crossed over to the other side and had this profound near-death experience and this you know, NDE, you know, I was able to become aware of my own spirit guides, you know, angels, you know, past lifetimes, awareness of all that there ever is, ever was, ever will be, which we could depict as the center of the universe or God, whatever that is, whatever we say is a limiting word to in the vernacular um, to it. Um, and just becoming aware of what was always inside of me and around me that I just totally forgot. And I was aware of my soul family members, um, aware of what, what I would be doing in this life um, and the purpose that I had um, and the contract that I had in this life. And it, it was just profound, but uh, it wasn't anything that was out there. It was something that was always in there mm -hmm. that I, that I and we just forget about that's always accompanying us, you know, you know, throughout our journeys. So we view heaven as the other side, but I think, but I view heaven is, you know, right within the center point of our being. We're forever connected uh, to the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, that's some of the short of it. I know in my books, I get a lot more elaborate, elaborative. Right. It's hard to get into the full, you know, full-fledged experience, but um, certainly if you have, or any of your viewers have any question, about the specific details of the NDE or the meaning behind it, uh, I would love to, because within my first two books, Life After Breath is really, you know, a homage to Dr. Raymond Moody's Life After Life. Mm -hmm. But Life After Breath was reflective of my NDE where I totally suffocated. There was nothing for me to hold on to, but mm -hmm. I tapped into this breath beyond the human breath, this breath of eternity. And I recognized beyond the breath of the physical body, is a breath of eternity that can never be taken from us. And so that, my first book is really a memoir about my NDE and what life was like when I had it and after it. And the wisdom Jacob's Ladder is really, you know, the different rungs of the ladder of teaching from the afterlife, from the hereafter to the here now. So those are the two angles that I take. So when you um, were experiencing the NDE, <clears throat> what did you see? Did, did you see any relatives or anything or anything like that? Well, I, I would re refer to them as soul family members. And even that is kind of limiting because I, I think in a way we're all a part of one soul family. So mm -hmm. to say this is the soul family, I think that's all of us. But I would say it was more the nuclear soul family. You know, Shakespeare 
uh, who I'm born right at the same time around, um, who was also a Taurus, I believe, you know, spoke about the theater of life, how life is just kind of like a stage and a play in a way. And that, you know, in a way is a reflection on reincarnation, how we have these different soul, we have, we have the same soul group that we're a part of when we take on these different hats, these different roles, uh, but it's all a part of the play and balancing out, you know, a lot of the karma between our family members, you know, and just this kind of army that we're a part of. So within my NDE, I was cognizant of the family that, you know, my soul is really, you know, interconnected with that transcended this lifetime. And there was other people from other previous lifetimes that I uh, connected to. Uh, but, you know, I can't say anything was more profound than other, but, mm -hmm. you know, something that really blew me away looking back on it was how sometimes we think of heaven as a million miles away mm -hmm. and just like so far away from this reality. And sometimes it could feel the way that we live and the amount of difficulty and stress and crises that we certainly have experienced, particularly the last couple of years. But the, the other side is just a dial above this reality I experienced. You know, and why I say that is I saw, you know, just an infinite array of angels that was that were right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it was just this filter of angels right above this reality. And they were just floating very peacefully in front of me. And there was just countless angels, like, you know, it's like infinite angels that I was able to see. They were very young and very youthful. But, you know, they were right here in this reality. So when I was having my idea, I was just like, geez, this is too real to be true like i must be hallucinating again i'm always an inner skeptic that's just me right, right. but you know when i was able to transition i was like no this is familiar this is home you know so when you do cross over there's an incubation period where you still carry over some of the reality that you're used to seeing and then you're ex re-expanded you know back to your real eyes and real place of viewing things from an unlimited vantage point and when you talk about, you know, you at the time you were three, but you talk about your soul. So when you when you were experiencing this, you weren't experiencing it as a three-year-old. You were experiencing it with your soul, correct? So, so over there, you, you were older to where you could co uh, comprehend it all. Yes. I mean, I, I'd say two things could be true at the same time, where there was a part of me that was connected to that reality and I was getting used to this but eventually once the dust kind of settled I had this like what you had this clear knowing this clear contact where this was viewing it of a place of clarity which was my soul so it wasn't um in a way inhibited or or blocked or or uh, you know just kind of just kind of had some barriers for my three-year-old self within time in my NDE I was able to really fully experience this through my soul. Now I still had, you know, thoughts about that life too and connections, you know, within my NDE, I just, you know, had questions like, what would my life be look like? What would I look like? You know, what would happen if I turn this down? Just so, so in a way, like the uncertainty, of what that life would be like and not going through that, it was a big question of mine. You know, what was this life about? And if I were to leave it, like, just felt like there was unfinished business within this life. And I wondered, what the rest of the story could look like, you know, if I were to continue it. So I remembering, I remembered having those thoughts. It, now, to preface, you know, once souls cross over, they still continue their work, you know, it never stops. 
whether you're here over there and sometimes souls cross over as much as we want them to be here they're more in a way effective over there than over here mm-hmm. you know so sometimes we just view this we don't recognize the contract the contractual obligations the spirit realm that we have that we're here you know not just for each day to just kind of live as long as we could live and then die you know we all have a contract here we're here sent from the spirit realm to this earth life so um you know sometimes things don't make sense from the from the mind or from the from the ground up but when we recognize the contractual obligations to the spirit realm they make more sense so once you got back and you know obviously the hospital and all that did you tell your mom and dad about the experience you had and what was their reaction no i mean like you know for those kind of just catching on i i really kept quiet about it you know the only thing that my father remembers is that i told him that something happened that one day it will make sense to him but now is not the time to talk about it or that i or he won't be able to understand what happened uh but you know the the difficulty was on so many levels Uh, the intense trauma that i had in my nde you know, made it very complicated. And if you have trauma, you know, many times in particular young age that could come out in rage or that could come out in intense opposition. Uh, But the difficulty was, is now all of a sudden, I couldn't look at myself or the reality as I knew it in the same way. Mm -hmm. But the challenge was, is I was now back in my three-year-old body, which I just knew was the grand scheme of things, just an illusion. Mm -hmm. And so I was very defiant against reality because I'm like, geez, I'm not that empty kind of vessel that you're seeing me at. You know, I'm a timeless soul. And so the difficult part was I knew the world outside of me was looking at me from a very superficial basis, just on my body and having a synonymous uh, viewpoint of who I was with my body. But I knew that I was not my body. It was not my age. Those things were all things that I was were vehicles of experiencing vehicles of experience for my soul um you know so but it definitely led to a lot of complications to say the least did you feel you know when you were on the other side did you feel that warmth that a lot of people talk about that 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 warmth and security warmth is an understatement (laughs) there's no words to possibly describe how good you feel and how euphoric you feel and in this lifetime, we're used to like comparing our experiences at times here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we forget when you cross over on the other side, you're beyond the body. So we're not bioneurochemical and there's kind of caps to that. You know, when you're when you're over there, there's no limitation. And I'll stress this again, there's no limitations to how good you could feel. And you know, we hear that one ear out the other, but that was the reality. There was no possible, you know apex for how good I could feel. It was endless, the euphoria. That just sticks with me to this day when you cross over. But more importantly, the love that you feel is different than over here at times. And I can't speak for everyone. Right. Um, certainly, we've had droplets of you know, beings on the other side within our lifetimes. You call them earth angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I really think that's people who remember who they are. They're very connected. Mm-hmm. It's that part of them, you know, beyond this reality. Uh, but what I would say is on the other side, 
in this lifetime, we're looked, we're used to looking down, we're used to others looking down at us. You know, others just having like a viewpoint of us. This is the box they see us as, and we inherit and we carry how many times others see us within this box to how we see ourselves. Well, when you cross over, you're not looked down on, you're looked up at. And you're looked up at with infinite beauty, infinite understanding. And you're looked at so much more beyond the limitations that we see ourselves as. We are um, immeasurably more significant and more beautiful through the spirit realm and the eyes of those in the spirit realm that we could possibly conceptualize. And that was something that's very ego strengthening within my NDE and that I try to really hammer home within my workshops and my books. And I find that a lot of people go through a lot of struggles because of the sense of identity and how they're observing ego is limiting, how they see themselves is very limited, where mm -hmm. they will say that I am this and I am not that and that is who I am, you know, but when we think about it, where do we come from, mm -hmm. right? You know, we, we are created from an infinite being at our core. That is who we are. And so I was once getting a mediumistic reading um, mm -hmm. and my grandfather came through and he said, how do you ever doubt yourself? Because when you're doubting me, you're when you're doubting yourself, you're doubting me. You're doubting our loved ones in the spirit realm. And you're also doubting God. Yeah. So when we self-doubt ourselves, we're not just doubting ourselves, but we're doubting all the people who believe in us, who love us over here and over there. But we're more significantly doubting the divine within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we are just so much more than we could possibly imagine. Now, when when you came back, was, was there a voice or anything that, that sent you back? Or all of a sudden, did you just find yourself back in your body? Well, the voice was the agreement. The agreement to, cho to choose to live this life out. Uh -huh. But, you know, like I said before, I know your father was told, like many end of years, that it's not his time yet. Right. When he had his NDE. For me, when I had my autonomy, you know, to make that decision, I... I, I, I asked a question, which was, what is this life about? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And I was shown just a lot of flashing images from not only this lifetime, which is referred to as a life review, mm -hmm. as seeing images from this lifetime from my angle, as well as others' angles, I was able to see images and memories from other lifetimes. And then I was able to have understanding of future premonitions of what I would be doing in this lifetime. And I saw myself speaking in front of a lot of people. And I saw the eyes of people that I would speaking that I was speaking to. And I saw the changes in those eyes. Mm -hmm. As we know, the eyes are really just the windows of the soul. Mm -hmm. And so at least for me, I said, wow, you know, the the other side is always there. But this unique opportunity to bring forward this experience to other people is more significant than heaven. Um, and I said, wow, this is something that I can't, this is a unique opportunity that I can't turn down. And I, it was from purpose. It was from service to others is why I decided to stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once I decided that, you know, all of the surrounding guides and angels and loved ones left my immediate awareness, but I knew they never left me. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you were to have 
awareness of them at all times, you wouldn't really be human, would you? Right. You would be more so over there than over here. And that defeats the purpose of, you know, being alive in the, alive in the body. But it was through the power of choice and decision and agreement, you know, that led me to separate myself and come back into the body. You know, when you say, and I'm going to digress a little bit on this, when you say that the other side isn't that far away from us, I have read books, Sylvia Brown, namely, mm -hmm. who has said that, you know, we're connected by a thread, you know, from our stomach to the other side. So the silver never... cord, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I have a client that I worked with out in Placerville who actually witnessed a ghost or an apparition walking across her yard. And she said it was it was unique because before just before the apparition disappeared, it looked like the person took a step up and mm. then walked into a doorway and disappeared. Mm. So I find that really interesting, you know, in that with what Sylvia Brown said about the you, you know, as far you know, about how far the other side is. Because you know, to me that seems like whatever this 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 individual was doing, it's she or she stepped up to go oh. to the other side. Well, first of all, that warms my heart that you're bringing up Sylvia Brown. I know she's from your neck of the woods, I think from San Jose, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, just an incredible pioneer that I feel more of us should talk about it on almost any, every interview because she was so instrumental. And I don't know if I would be talking today without her daring and pioneering work where she just mm -hmm. did. She didn't. She didn't give a hoot. She just did her thing with with confidence. But she knew she had a higher calling, and that, you know, was the reason she didn't stop herself. Um, but yes, I know Sylvia talks a lot about the other side and talks about the other realms on the other side. Mm -hmm. You know, I've certainly have read a lot of her books, and the, uh, there's a lot of parallels. Uh, what I would say is the other side is kind of like the internet. Could you point at Wi-Fi and say, this is the internet. It's all around us. And so, yes, you know, the other side, when I experienced my ND, felt like a million miles away from this reality, but it also felt right over here too. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it's not like a you could type in your GPS and say, take me to the to heaven and it will uh -huh. take you there, you know, because because it's like asking to chop up air or, you know, chop up water. You just can't. Uh -huh. um, it's it's it, we're talking about the infinite. So I could attest that it's over. It could feel over here, but it could also feel million galaxies away too. Um, now, as as you started to grow up and, and you had the memories of experiencing this, is that is that what made you decide to take the career? You know, to get in the career that that you did, or were you going in a different direction? Well, I I credit a couple things. I mean, first of all, I come from two different generations of, of social workers and humanitarians. So, you know, while kids were just kind of sleeping in on Sundays and eating pizza, you know, past Saturday, Saturday night, whatever. And sometimes I did that, but Sundays I woke up very early in the morning and I volunteered for my father's special needs organization. I worked for the developmentally, you know, disabled and stuff like that. So, you know, there was, it was to me that, you're only as valuable as your difference that you have on others and your ability, mm -hmm. you know, to be there for the underserved, the underprivileged, uh, the marginalized. And so service was always hammered home within my DNA. So uh, I can't say that that didn't influence me, but my NDE certainly had a big part of it because, you know, 
I was totally suffocated. There was nothing to hold on to. And I was given back that breath of life. Um, and so for me, I just recognized how beautiful of a gift that was. Mm -hmm. And I guess some people try to find God and look for God. Mm -hmm. And other people don't look for God, but they embody God. Mm -hmm. And to me, embodying God is about service and about giving back life to others who might feel lifeless or out of sorts. And so that's what I try to do within my work from the ground up is just to give back what I was given in my NDE. Um, you know, and I, I think it's a beautiful thing when you see people come into your office. Not all the time, you know, many times that, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in their own suffering and misery, but hopefully eventually there's change. But at times you'll see clients come into the office with maybe a shift of consciousness and change in their energy. And that to me is all that's that to me keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, have you talked to many? I mean, I mean, you can't obviously tell me names or anything, but have you had clients that, that have had similar experiences to yours? Yeah, you know, I used to run groups for not just NDEs, but I would run groups for people who had NDEs, STEs, spiritual transformative experiences, shared death experiences, SDs an OBE's out-of-body experience, which mm -hmm. I had later in life, which blew my mind more so than my NDE, because this happened when I was like a young adult. Uh, you know, it's one thing I could say I was just a kid, whatever, but this was even more, you know, full-blown. So mm -hmm. I have that. Um, I, I've done that in the past, and some clients do come to me for that specifically. Um, I'm finding that when people could identify their experiences as their great deal of catharsis. And I know that happened with me. You know, I had this near-death experience, but it's not like I was walking around saying I had an NDE. It was mm -hmm. just this incredible mystical experience that I kept within. Uh, it wasn't until I was blessed to read um, a book called Embraced by the Light by Betty Eighty that gave me a universality that other people had these things that there was, and it got me on a search that there was a term for this, you know, so that really was a big eye-opener for me and allowed me to take ownership of this experience. And so I think people struggle when they feel that the, they're the only ones who had it, no one else could understand it outside themselves. You know, that's when they struggle to find meaning and make sense of these things. Do you think that, um, now, you know, there's a lot of, and I'm just gonna throw this out there. I read your book, your, your NDE was fabulous, it was fantastic. I mean, it Thank you. you know, and, do you think, because, I mean, there's a lot of talk from doctors, you know, surgeons and all this of it's just because your the oxygen got cut, you know, cut off your brain and your, and your brain was reacting and creating these pictures. Do you think, I mean, do you think that happens more often than not? Or do you think, I mean, like in your case, you actually went? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that, I mean, what you're kind of referring to, you know, is a lot of the hallucinations that, that. Uh, you know, the medical community think that we have yes. when we have these NDEs. And, and, and at times that there is valid with, you know, hallucinations could certainly be you know, a, a valid experience, you know, the, of the chemicals within the brain. But what I would say is this, you know, when people have these NDEs and when I had mine per se, you know, there was no functioning of the brain. At very least, there was very little. And so to have very little functioning to no functioning of the body or the brain, and you had full-blown awareness 
where does that come from? And all of a sudden that puts, you know, to them, they have no answers to that. Mm -hmm. But to me, what I'll say is there is a separation of the brain and the mind, that they're not one and the same. The brain filters the mind, but it does not produce it. Mm -hmm. And having my NDE, I just recognized there's this higher mind, super conscious mind, subconscious mind that we have that is filtered through the conscious mind through the brain, but isn't produced by it. And so I think that gets back to material reductionalism, which is if we reduce all of us at a core and once the body goes, there is no sense of reality. Mm -hmm. And so this puts that in the corner. But, you know, I'll give an example. Let's say someone tries LSD or something like that, hallucinogenic. Brain activity is normally lowered, you know, in a lot of cases, and your consciousness or awareness is higher. You know, how does that explained? Or, you know, people who, you know, are about to go and they have what's called lucid visions when they're about to leave this this body, mm -hmm. all of a sudden they have peak in awareness, but brain activity, you know, through their, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever that is, you know, is a lot lower. And all of a sudden family members get excited, like they they think, oh my God, they had an epiphany, they're coming back. But right. shortly after that happens, you know, when they have that that clarity, you know, they they usually go. So to this day, the medical community and scientific community can't explain those phenomena with decreased brain activities, but heightened awareness and how that works. There's a tremendous incongruency with the two, you know, and that happens. As you were growing up and, and you told people about, you know, what happened, I mean, I mean who did you tell? Let's change that, relay that question. Who were you able to tell, you know, about your experience who didn't think you were nuts, you know, as you were growing up? I see. It was really, you know, an, a, a, a great aunt of mine that was my, to this day, I would say my biggest spiritual teacher in life. Um, at times, we're looking for that guru thousands of miles away in the Himalayas. But, mm -hmm. you know, I had this aunt that was, that was, she was always there, but I never like fully focused on her. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later in life that I recognized like, wow, I had a Jedi in the family and I, and I didn't know it. Like she, she was an amazing person. I mean, she lived a life where she was, a, you know, an educator for the visually impaired. And actually, one of her students was Jose Feliciano, who wrote the song Feliz Navidad. You know, she worked in the New York City school systems. Uh, so she lived that life as teaching, you know, the blind to kind of use their senses and to see. But she lived that allegorically with me, how she remembered she was able to help me to take ownership of all those things inside of me that maybe... I wasn't seeing, and she helped me to see the unseen and remember that world. So she was like my greatest teacher. So she, you know, would really mentor me. And I know you mentioned Sylvia Brown, like she would give me all these books, you know, because she knew about my NDE and we'd speak about it. And she just wanted for me to really re-remember who I was and what I experienced, but to have, you know, more um, ego support with what I was experiencing. So, mm -hmm. you know, she would, give me these books and we would need to talk about them that week and stuff like that. So she's my biggest influence in life that I live. You know, as we get older, um, you know, everybody, they say, you know, everybody's born with, with psychic abilities. And then as we get older and get into doing our life things, we suppress those abilities. As you got older with, you know, and got further away from that any experience, did you feel any different? You know, as far as as far as, you know, 
that euphoria, like, like you talk about, you know, what happened to, while, while you were over there? Did that change at all in, in your mind? Right. I'm itching my nose, not because I'm being dishonest, but my nose actually itches. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's fun. It's it's funny how in the, sometimes I do these YouTube videos and everyone thinks they're a body language expert. They just say, "Oh my God, Jacob looks one way. He's not." Yeah, everyone's an expert these days, right? But you know, here's what I'll say. Um, you know, I had my NDE, and I when I had my NDE, one of the after effects gifts was intense premonitions, intuition. And I had a lot of mediumistic abilities, which is quite common for end of years. Right. Uh, but to me, it wasn't like a gift. It was more of a nuisance, if anything. It was, you know, I just wanted to kind of live my life in a way. But all this awareness was just downloaded to me. So I'd see things, hear things, know things that would come to pass. He's like, just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. And so it was more of a nuisance, you know. But later in life was when I was able to really embrace those gifts that were, that were there. But, you know, living as a child, you know, I was, and I speak about this in my first book, Life After Breath, where I was, you know, I just remembered having awareness, you know, of interdimensional communication. Mm -hmm. And I turned to like a classmate to kind of see if they could see what I saw. And they just looked at me with the most bewildered look. And it was just like a reminder of how alienated and different I was from this NDE than my peers. Mm -hmm. uh, but I view what happened in my brain was a big significance and shift of consciousness, you know, because after my NDE, I just felt this sliver of light that was going through my brain um, when I got back to preschool and I was able to connect to the other side through that light on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. it's just a reminder of how the brain is just such a big filter in our life. And we clean out that filter. We could use it properly, but so many people get caught up in their own left brains in their own heads that they really block themselves off from this higher awareness that is flowing through them at all times. So, you know, I think what's important is for people to really learn how to rewire their brains, mm -hmm. which is possible through meditation and mindfulness. You know, they're finding right now the neuroplasticity in the brain, you know, is adaptable mm -hmm. and could change, you know, so we could really rewire our, our lives to rewiring our brains many times. Now, um, I said I had a question along that line for you. Um, when you talk about uh, you know messages and you know what the after effects of mm. of having that into E and going to preschool and having to be in school, were you fully aware? I mean, at three years old, were you? I guess because you have an older soul, obviously. Were, right. were were you fully aware of what was going? Well, like you say, you were having pre premonitions. So when you had these premonitions. At the age of three, were you aware of what they were, or was it just something that you, you that might have been like, "Oh, it's a dream"? Well, no, I wasn't able to identify them. You know, like in a sense, identify the vernacular for them. It oh. wasn't like I was walking around saying I'm psychic and I knew that word. Right, you know, right, there wasn't right. a word for that. You know, at times, you know, it was like euphoric and great to connect to that, but other times, you know, it was a nuisance too. Um, where I just kind of wanted to live a life and I just would see things already happening before they happen and they would come in and be like, this is so annoying. Like, let me just live my life. So you know, if you've ever seen like the movie The Hereafter with Matt Damon, I, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Uh, but that movie, I don't want to give it away, but they include Matt Damon as kind of like this negligent medium. 
and he just kind of wants to live his life. And so for, there was a period in my life where I just had all this awareness and just kind of wanted to bury it. But it's kind of like a beach ball, you know, intuition. It's like you try to bog it down, but eventually when it's ready, it just pops up to the surface and whatever you resist will persist, you know. Did you um, ever think of, and I know there's, there's psychics or people that have abilities to use it for profit, but did, did you ever once even think, well, maybe I, I, I can use this to help people, which, which is what you're doing? Yeah, you know, I, I, I use it in my own way, you know, through what's called, and I know Dr. Judith Orloff, if you're familiar about this, mm-hmm. she is a clinical UCLA trained psychiatrist, but she talks a little bit about clinical intuition. Mm-hmm. And so when I have a client come in to my office as a therapist, it's not like I give them a reading or say your father's around, your grandfather's around, right, stuff right, like right. that. But I ask, you know, kind of those big, you know, gut questions, or I get those kind of feelings at times about people, you know, that leads to them opening. So that's something that I utilize as well as in my Reiki practice as well, too. You know, we kind of feel and sense kind of different things around my clients. But sometimes people think of psychic energy as just on a micro basis, where it's just like you reading a client. For me, my psychic awareness, you know, is there on a micro basis. But now it's like more full-blown on a macro basis, where I'll just get a download of information and I'll write that information down. And that's led me to write two books as well. I just kind of get these downloads. And so on social media, each and every day, I'll get this kind of different download usually, and I'll, I'll put it out there. So intuition just isn't you picking up on a spirit or a loved one. It could also mean wisdom that's flowing through you or awareness or just an insight that you get or a feeling that you get that helps you not get hurt. So it's a very broad concept, but I think a lot of people just think of it as you know, reading someone in front of you, that that's a part of it, you know, mm-hmm. but that's at the full, to, you know, totality of it. Well, continuing along that line, um, are you able to, like, like, like when you're talking to somebody one-on-one, you know, because we just kind of talked about that, are you able to kind of, um, fig, kind of figure out in a round, roundabout sort of way what might be going on with them, even though they're saying one thing and then you could technically figure out something else? Yeah. You know, um, you know, obviously it's hard because I have to use my my training. So we have to. But what I try to do is balance out my reasoning mm-hmm. with my intuition. And reasoning is based off of experiences and training. And you ground that, you know, with your intuition. And I think wisdom is the middle ground between reasoning, you know, logical brain and stuff like that, you know, in our in our intuition, what we're feeling in the moment, and you know, wisdom is somewhere in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you have to say to people that might have experienced an NDE and are, and are afraid to come forward? Well, I, I think they really need to be validated in their hesitancies and acknowledged first, you know, because it, it does take a lot of courage. And, you know, not all NDEs are the same in what they experience, but not all NDEs are the same in what they have to come home to. You know, some come from a very conservative, traditional family that just kind of believes things by the books and they will still ostracize them if they have it or potentially for them to come out, you know, they'll be in a job that they might feel will let them go or a relationship that the partner will let them go or they might not be able to express what happened to them. and They're forever changed and their partners, you know, can't pick up on why and they won't 
be able to either know or explain what happened to them. So I think the first thing is validation. Um, I think people want to feel validated, but beyond that, they want to be heard and understood. You know, so I, I think it's not so much what I will say, but how much I will be able to listen to them, you know, actively. You know, I think active listening is very significant in people to feel validated and heard what they have to say and not judged. Do you, th- um, do you think, well, obviously, probably just that it helps when people can find someone like you to talk to you? Because I know, you know, when kids are little, two or three years old, you know, it goes back to the imaginary friends, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is that an imaginary friend or isn't it, you know, because kids do have that ability. Right. So do you think it helps for people to be able to talk this stuff out? The right people. Yes. I, I think when you have a vulnerability like an NDE, which you know, could be a big vulnerability, you have to be careful where you place and who you place the hands of that vulnerability. That's, that's important. You know, so, Absolutely. Um, I think we have to be careful. But, you know, we think of grief work too, right? When we're going through a difficult time, mm-hmm. we have to be careful. Some people will use our pain against us or they will just invalidate what we go through. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be very cautious and careful with who and where we place our experiences with. Not everyone, you know, could heal it. Some people will pour pour salt over it and that may you know, ruin the experience and, and, and totally have someone run away from it for the rest of their lives. Well, I find it impressive with, with what you do. You know, you're, 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 I want to say scientists, but you know, for lack of a better word, but you're also open to this stuff. And I think that ND, that ND, that NDE helped you do that. And I think it's wonderful because it's nice to know that there's people out out there like you that, that, that others can come talk to. Well, thank you. No, I, I really appreciate it. And people ask me all the time, how has NDE changed, you know, in your therapy practice? Mm-hmm. How is that? How are you different from maybe therapist B? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone has certain strengths to bring to the table. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in graduate school, we really focus on a lot of pathology. Mm-hmm. You know, someone was major depressive disorder, someone was generalized anxiety disorder. So there's a lot of focus on diagnosis associated with the full value and worth of the person at times, mm-hmm. or just saying, I saw my depressed client today. And so at the end, he really told me, you know, from experience this, f- from my vantage point, that, you know, we aren't the pain that we experience. We are not our ages we experience. We're not any of these things. We experience them, but there is so much more of ourselves beyond what we experience. And so I try every day, and sometimes it's hard. You know, we all have those people that really get to us or mm-hmm. people who could really be testy or combative or condescending. And yeah, but, you know, I think it's important that beyond the pain that we see is a person that's trying to say, help me, help me. Mm-hmm. They just may not know how to use that. And so that's what I try to do is to look at all people that I encounter and clients, especially, especially the most hurt ones with the most compassion. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. I learned so much today and I would love to have you on another, another time to discuss even more. <laughs> well, you thank know. you so much for the work that you do for having me on. Let's keep in touch and uh, keep up the great work. How can people reach you, sir? Yeah. So people could look at my website, it's jacoblcooper.com. That's jacoblcooper.com. And there you could find my email, my social media links. And if you're interested 
you know, in a online or in-person service, you could contact me and look at some of my services, as well as check out both Life After Breath and the Wisdom Jacob's Ladder available both on Amazon. Absolutely. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Okay, guys, that was a lot. I mean, I'm fascinated by NDEs because, like I said, I've had a couple, you know, semi of my dad's experience and then what I went through, I'm going to call it on the hill. So it's always interesting to see, you know, what people, the, the, the different views of their NDEs because everybody, like he says, everybody has a different type of NDE. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, our usual time, with our old friend William Ramsey. And he has an interesting story on the, I hope I say this, Belisiaga um, thing that happened. And for people that don't know what that is, there was a photo shoot done for a company called Belisiaga. And with this photo shoot, the children, there were children that they dressed in um, bondage clothes, you know, bondage stuff for this photo shoot. And it blew up on the internet. And uh, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of lawsuits going around on this. So William Ramsey has done some investigating on it. And so he's going to come and talk to us about it. So that'll be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Love you all. Okay. If you like what you saw today and uh, show me some love, give me some hearts. I see there's a, there's a heart in there right now. Show, you know, show me some thumbs up and hearts. But uh, if you like what you saw, share it with five people. If you hated what you saw, share it with five other people because we're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And again, I want to direct you over to our YouTube page, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash California Haunts Radio. And uh, you can check out all 540 some odd videos that we have sitting over there. But I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And for everybody that's working today and kind of missed the show, I will have it this back up and I'll, I'll keep it up in my feed so you guys can find me. Okay, and find the show. But that was a very interesting show with, 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 uh, with, with Jacob. Anyway, I will see you guys. I'm going to give you his information that I will see you guys tomorrow. Here we go. So his website is Jacob, jacoblcooper.com. And the book is Life After Breath. And the Jacob's Ladder. And as he said, they are available at Amazon. Okay, once again, I will see you guys tomorrow. And please to check out our Patreon. There should be a link to it in his in, in, in his description on this. Uh, I'm tired. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. 9.30. Oh, 10 o'clock now. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a description at the, I believe at the bottom of, of his information on the, on the YouTube description and stuff. Okay. I don't want to tired. You can just tell. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 PM Pacific. Have a good one. <laughs>